the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm Jerry Boyer. This is Meeting of Minds podcast, and I'm really looking forward to meeting the mind of my next guest, um, which I've had the opportunity to meet before in so many extremely insightful books going back all the way to... um, Wealth and Poverty, um, and most recently, Gaming AI, and shortly before that, um, the um, end of... Life after Google. Why did I say the the life after Google, yes. And coming up, Life After Capitalism. Uh, He's with the Discovery Institute, uh, which which has a conference that uh, they're hosting this November that sounds like something you really need to go to, which is which is a Cosm conference, which is, you can find out more at Cosm.technology, Cosm.technology. That's interesting. You have the dot .technology. We're not stuck with dot .coms and dot .orgs. No, no, we got dot .technology and the name for Cosm, which is really, an, it's a technology Cosm. Peter Thiel is keynoting it, and we got Bob Metcalf of Metcalf's Law, and Kai Fu Lee, who was headed Google AI in uh, uh, Silicon Valley, and then now back in China, and he's he's sort of the Mid Pacific man who has been deeply engaged in bringing Apple and uh, Facebook and all these different companies to China, and now uh, he's in China. But the Chinese economy is changing deeply as we speak. And uh, the whole world economy, indeed, is at an inflection point uh, where uh, all of systems on which we've relied for so long, the Internet, uh, a giant copying machine that has turned out to be a giant hacking machine, and uh, the world monetary system, which has moved in 50 years from essentially a gold standard where money was a measuring stick into a central bank standard where money is a magic wand for politicians to serve their cronies and and where currency trading is the world's biggest industry currency trading 7 trillion dollars a day 7 trillion dollars a day and that's up more than 30% mm. over th- 3 years while the world economy flattened and trade was cut back mm-hmm. and out of the 7 trillion dollars of currency trading which replaced uh, uh, a infinitesimal portion of that under the gold standard. Essentially, all monies were coordinated by uh, the ultimate uh, value of Troy ounce of gold. Hmm. And uh, right under now, the gold now, standard, it's just different names for little for golden discs. That's right. <laughs> I mean, there's not a lot of uncertainty about that, right? And and I think a big 
a major point of yours in the scandal of money um, and uh, in uh, life after Google um, is that the channel, this is information theory, the channel has to be stable in order for the signal to be heard. That's right. That's a very, I haven't said it exactly that way, but that's a very concise and eloquent way. The channel has to be stable for the signal to be heard. Mm. And, uh, And so if you have constant manipulation of the channel, and we can uh, make the channel an analogy for the world system, the system of the world. If it's being manipulated by politicians continuously to serve diverse goals, then the actual signal of truth, mm. which uh, the marketplace at its best can propagate, uh, is uh, lost. So, if the- In the noise, it becomes... a. Uh, uh, Lost in the oceans of noise. For instance, we've had a major spike in commodity prices recently. So what is that? Is that growth because we're ending the COVID coma? Uh, or is that inflation? Or is it both? The signals are all mixed together, uh, yeah. well, right? So That's in considerable point uh, an effect of a massive campaign of all the governments in the West to escape uh, oil, escape dependency on oil and natural gas, or all the most um, densely compact energy sources that yield more uh, energy per uh, unit of volume than any other energy sources. Hmm. And... And we're trying to leave those behind in order to adopt energy sources like solar and wind. And that, in fact, takes vastly more land per uh, unit of energy. If indeed it can deliver energy as power, power Mm. has to be coherent and consistent and reliable and and uh, can't be erratic. So all these systems that are being employed to replace oil and gas and coal and, and nuclear are all uh, erratic, you know, dependent on the caprice of the wind and the... Right. Uh, or a sunny day and, or a cloudy and, uh, day. Suns <laughs> and clouds. And, and, and so all these forms of power have to be intermediated by vast battery systems that are full of terribly complicated and expensive chemical um, elements and 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 toxic to boot. Oh, yeah, well, toxic to boot. Right, right. Um, And with a lot of slave labor in the supply chain. I mean, the supply chain for oil is a lot cleaner than the supply chain for cobalt. You go back there a little bit and you're going to find little kids in sub-Saharan Africa getting cancer. And and this is our virtue signaling commodity. I I mean, it's it's more it's a morally inverted thing. Yeah, it is. You're completely right about that. It's like whited sepulchers. On the outside, it looks so clean, but on the inside is death. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, All right. So I I hadn't thought about that. Really, the the copper, the way the commodities are being driven by essentially forcing. um, I mean, the government governments of the world are taking over 
energy production and turning it into a planned economy. And eventually that will make all energy scarce, as we're seeing premonitions in the Texas crisis, the California crisis. Uh, And we're going to see uh, reverberating through the world economy, increasing crises of scarcity of energy, Mm -hmm. which is a totally abundant and ample resource because it's being converted to socialism. And every time you socialize something, it becomes scarce. We socialized education in Mm -hmm. America, and uh, now kids can't get educated educated anymore. The teachers' unions are... They created a monopoly, (laughs) and then they went on strike. We're like France. You know, you you think about the energy side of things. I I hope you don't mind if I riff here a little bit, but you know, the the idea of solar energy and renewable energy like biofuels. Well... I mean, what you have in the hydrocarbons is eons of renewable energy, right? I mean, year after year, the sun was coming down and plants grew and dinosaurs ate them (laughs) and then they died and then they're they're stored up in a battery and giant batteries in the ground for us. Good analogy, Jerry. So, so, I mean, sometimes I'm sure they had bad years and maybe an asteroid or something, but over the long run, just like all the gold, you know, sort of accumulated, we have millions and millions of years of accumulated solar energy in the ground. So why in the world would we say, well, only this year's solar energy. We'll only use this, but we'll ignore, you know, maybe five or ten million, maybe billions. billions, right? I don't know how far back the dinosaurs go, but at least, but the plants, a lot of yeah, this is from 14 plants. 14 billion years of, uh, of, of Earth, right, of, of universe development. Um, so we're going to ignore billions of years of buildup of solar energy yeah. that's been wonderfully stored for us in the Earth's crust. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. All right, so... um so th- that th- we were talking about the channel and the and the signal. So life after um, Google is for you. I like the way you describe it. You grab this phrase from Neil Stevenson. I think a system of, of the, the world. world. That's right? right. So the old system of the world. The, well, the current system of the world is. It's not Google per se, but there's like a Google system. Yeah. Could you describe the current system of the well, world? Well, the Google, Google system, I think, is. Uh, is a working system. It's it's the prevailing system. It's based on a series of technologies that were launched in Silicon Valley, uh, largely under the guidance of Google and through the employment of of uh, Google technologies. And uh, there's cloud computing. There's big data. 
there's uh, machine learning, uh, there's artificial intelligence, there's robotics, there's, uh, and then there's the whole information domain of biotech. And um, all these technologies are converging, and they really represent the age we currently live in. Hmm. Uh, and I believe that, uh, that uh, this could have been a golden age, but uh, governments and universities and around the world have rebelled against the economy against economic truth and want to impose their own special uh, interests and, and uh, which uh, enhance their own particular power. Mm-hmm. And they did it through climate change first and, and uh, a COVID panic second. And I think these were mostly spurious crises. Mm-hmm. And... Not even there's scarcely an inkling of truth in the climate change. Climate is always changing, and it's it's changing rather more slowly than usual these days, uh, the from the perspective of eons of we're, we're kind of uh, low carbon right now yeah, yeah, compared yeah, to long term history. Yeah, they always start their hockey stick charts at just the right place, yeah, yeah, you know. That's the, right. Yeah, and and uh, but the the COVID crisis was another just preposterous uh, overreach of government. And and socialism always uh, is dependent on some group of elites saying their particular plan, their particular diagnosis of the human condition is so urgent and that it has to eclipse all human uh, desires and contrary interests and creative goals and uh, and take over. And that's what socialism is. When did and, they, when, and if, right, if, right. if in 1957 and 58, we underwent the Asian flu. Right. And uh, by all significant measures, that's years of life lost in proportion to the population. The Asian flu was two or three times worse Mm -hmm. than COVID. And the society didn't shut down. And uh, President Eisenhower was president. Mm. And uh, he... uh, he had been through various flu crises in the army, and he knew there was nothing to do about it. Mm-hmm. And he did not shut down the U.S. economy. And today, when I bring up the Asian flu of 57 to 58... No one remembers it. Nobody remembers right. it. Yeah. It, it right. was not a significant incident. It was a brief recession, mm-hmm. uh, which was ascribed to other forces uh, the, and in the history books. And so... Uh, it's and it was overcome by the creativity of individual people, including a heroic developer of vaccines and and all, all kinds of things happened. But uh, by relying on the tremendous capabilities of human minds addressing their specific circumstances, well, and and and. Uh, and Creative in the image of their creator, Amen. Uh, we uh, can uh, we can triumph, but the, it's it's human hubris where groups of elites imagine that their single 
perspective uh, is has to usurp all the millions of of minds of individual human beings, and this I discuss this in Gaming AI, yes. uh, which is my and, and also in your daily prophecy. A yeah. lot of the daily prophecy has been about COVID. And when in the history of the world have of have leaders quarantined the healthy as opposed to quarantining the sick? Yeah, it's right. I mean, you go back to our Creator. I mean, the yeah. Torah, um, which has a high view of human life, right? Choose life, right? Um, There are procedures for quarantining, but you quarantine the sick. You don't shut everything down, right? And it's almost like that. this was a test for us that we failed as a people in that we were willing to so easily give in on fundamental principles, Um, you know, to to say, whatever, however virulent you think it is, the fixed principles of people are the best managers of their own risk were overridden. Yeah. So maybe, maybe it's as bad as the Asian flu, maybe not as bad, maybe a little yeah. worse, worse obviously than our usual flu. But what does that have to do with our property I rights? I mean, Asian flu, just so people know, uh, f- f- nearly 40% of the deaths were young people. Yes. I, I mean, it, it just was a complete, just far worse event. By mm. every measure, mm. and uh, and and seriously, um, I think this panic is mostly a function of case numbers, uh, which yes. which reflect the flaws of the PCR testing as a that's a poly. Uh, Murray's chain reaction testing invented by Carrie Mullis. He wrote a whole book about it and how it was misused as a diagnostic tool. The inventor of this technology predicted that it could be misused as a diagnostic tool and create panics uh, beyond uh, any valid medical need. And that's that's what we're doing. We're we're mobilizing all the medical resources. So people to, with cancer can't get chemo treatments. That, that's right. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's, cancer is a far more serious problem. It right? is. And there's just so much dodgy use of statistics going back to Imperial College. They look at early uh, samples from, from, say, Italy or something like that, and then they extrapolate. They look at the death rate. You know, create a ratio and then extrapolate that over everyone who will ever get the disease yeah. when it's going to spread to places. Well, I mean, yeah, but, um, so let me. And the dreaded Delta variant. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, it sounds scary, doesn't it? Delta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. right. Nobody's dying from it. They really aren't. Almost nobody. It's an amazingly trivial. Uh, it's a. It's it's an actual move of the virus to a less yes. deadly, lethal form. And it looks and, like most of the vaccines are good against it anyway. Oh, sure. Right. It's only two percent different, and it's two or three percent different genetically. Uh, while our immune systems are capable of dealing with thirty to forty percent different uh, genetic uh, variants. It's, 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 it's we're, a, we're better designed than we gave ourselves credit for. Right. Our, our public health officials did not give the creator <laughs> adequate uh, credit <laughs> when it comes to the design of our counter-viral That's internal right. technologies. Yeah, right. yeah. It something just popped into my mind. I'm sorry. I know I do this because I'm supposed to be interviewing you, but things, you know, I, I try to share please, some entropy please, back please at Please, please do. Well, I was, you, know, you look at the... Um, you look at the archaeology of Galilee, and you see the cities of Capernaum and Bethsaida, 
um, which were plague zones. Um, um, the plague was malaria, yeah. right? And so I was just looking at archaeological reports. You, you can look at people's bones, and you can look at people's fossilized poop yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you can find out about parasites. And there's this story of Peter's mother, who's down with a fever, which is almost certainly malaria, right? Because they're in low, low water, you know, low near the water. And you kind of take a step back and say, what does it say socially about these people? The fishing was a, was a cutting-edge entrepreneurial industry there. So yeah. these are entrepreneurial people, and, there's, and the fishing is good, and you can make a lot of money there, but you're facing a plague, uh-uh. right? So they're frontier people who are ready to go out uh, you know, on, the, on Galilee yeah. and fish in Galilee, even though there's an elevated risk of plague that yeah. actually affected them. Yeah. And this is where Jesus makes his base of operation. Yeah. And maybe there's something here about culture and frontier and risk tolerance. They are hidden in the details of the Gospels right. that maybe we need today. Yeah. Well, Makers and Takers explores many of those fascinating details about the Gospel, the actual historic context of the Gospel message which lends it greater um, uh, validity and impact and, and, and subtlety and truth. Hmm. I mean, if you think about a lot of the church officials were, I mean, I can tell you in the Episcopal Church where I am, the orders from the bishop were very draconian for shutdowns. Is that right? right? Yes, and we did our little workarounds, and we our parish never actually shut down. Yeah. Um, we, all you right. know, uh, but uh, you know, you want to be like Peter? Um, well, all right, this is what Peter did. He went to a plague zone uh, yeah. and he made a living. Yeah. Um, and these are the kind of people Jesus hung out with. So there's maybe a little more risk tolerance. All right, so that that that's the well, you described the old uh, something. Did you want to say something? Is the Galilee story? In that form, I know that the Galilee story is central in your book, but do you, I don't think you, you I should— I didn't write about that. You should incorporate that. That is—that's a, a fascinating further dimension of it. You c- captured some of it. I mean, you talked about the entrepreneurial culture of Galilee. And the frontier, and, but I hadn't yeah. looked at— I hadn't looked at the yeah. poop archaeology yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I, I reminded now of, um, oh, what was your first book about entrepreneurship? The heroic? No, The Spirit of Enterprise. Spirit of Enterprise. One, one. But Wealth and Poverty was about entrepreneurship, of Absolutely course. right. Yeah. Um, but, the, but the economy, you kind of a big economic view and how entrepreneurs drive it. And then, I think in the beginning of that book, you've got somebody standing in a garbage. Um, well, that's, that's Fat Joe who started this, who built a great empire from uh, uh, garbage technology. He was a garbage collector and, and created a national chain of garbage collection that uh, became a, a big uh, stock market star. And that, that was an amazing, from the, gar- from the tr- garbage pick up and shuffling garbage, he created a, a great entrepreneurial company. And you have him actually standing in a dumpster, I think, in the, yeah, in the yeah, beginning, yeah, yeah. right? And I'm and just thinking... I think a garbage truck uh, uh, container, mm-hmm. uh, he was... He was pouring around in it. I can't remember the exact story anymore. But. And I guess I'm thinking the analogy here is in the in the archaeology of poops. Getting yeah. into the there's, there's there are gems. There's yeah. you know there's wisdom there. Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so thank you for the call out to my book. Okay, so you've de- you described the the system of the world that's 
it's kind of worked, but in the panel you were just on, you said, yes, but it's in crisis. The Internet's in crisis. Currencies are in crisis. So the system of the world, this is Neil Howe and the fourth and turnings. Te- and, uh, yeah, Technology, uh, right? If social media has no yeah, credibility yeah, anymore. Yeah. So let's talk about the next system of the world, which is the life after the Google yeah. system. Well, I, I believe that this new technology is emerging. It's, it's, it's going to have many setbacks because there have been many f- conceptual errors made by various entrepreneurs in the cryptocurrency space uh, so that uh, uh, this is how entrepreneurship works. It uh, sorts out the truth from the dross or from the garbage and, uh, and uh, thus builds new systems of the world uh, based on uh, this process of learning. The essence of my information theory of capitalism, information theory of economics, is that wealth is knowledge. Yes. We know we have abundant, the same resources, essentially, materially, were available to the Neanderthal in his cave, as Thomas Sowell wrote years ago, as they're available to us. The difference between our age and the Stone Age is entirely the accumulation of knowledge. So wealth is essentially knowledge. But if wealth is knowledge, what's economic growth? Learning. Learning. Yeah, that's right. Uh, economic growth is learning, and it's a p- specific kind of learning. It's not it's, mainly school learning, and not mainly school learning. Although school lear- school learning, if conducted correctly, uh, f- follows the rules of Popperian advance. That's uh, you have to, uh, the propositions to be. Um, have to be testable. They right. have to be uh, presented in a form that can be tested and falsified. And, uh, and so learning systems are, and learning curves are uh, absolutely the dominant uh, phenomenon in business and capitalism. Every company operates on a learning curve with every doubling of total units sold, uh, costs drop between 20 and 30 percent. And these learning curves are the basis of Bain and Company, the Boston, cons- all the big consultancies, McKinsey, they've all, they all traffic in learning curves. And they're ubiquitous. Every industry shows them from uh, lines of software code to trucking miles to insurance policies. It doesn't matter what. You get these learning curves. And that's not that's because that's what growth is. Right. It's learning. If it's not really learning, it may be a reproduction of an ex- previous uh, technology. But but. Growth is learning. And then the question becomes how you measure this, and that's the third proposition. Let me stop you on growth is learning and the learning curve, just to thank you, because Boyer Research, our our little family business, 
very early on, the lear- learning about the learning curve. Every yeah. day we're thinking about this. Every yeah. day we're trying to make a decision. Actually, we, we were just a homeschooling family. Yeah. And one of our, our children wanted to learn about economics. And I said, well, instead of just learning theory, let's start to crunch some data together. Yeah. Right. And then that be- that's grown into a business. Yeah. It's involved with managing considerable sums of money. But every day we're saying, well, if we're trying to decide what to do, are we going to learn something? Well, do we have a customer? We might not have a customer yet, but I think we will have a customer if we can learn something. Or maybe we can learn fast enough that we can get cheap enough that we can get a customer. So you've impacted our, you know, our, our, our days, our, our business, our family. So thank you for that. After, um, I wrote Wealth and Poverty, which was a global bestseller and was at the heart of the Reagan administration. Reagan quoted it more than any other uh, live book outside the Bible or whatever. Um, But uh, you don't say or whatever with the Bible. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) uh, uh, but um, after I wrote Wealth and Poverty, it was a worldwide bestseller. Bill Bain of Bain and Company called called me up and said, "You know this supply side economics. You know the fact that uh, lower tax rates lead to more revenues and and uh, is all just another learning curve." Yes. And he brought me into Bain and Company, and I got instructed in learning curves at the heart heart of the beast. Bain was. Uh, A key figure at Boston Consulting Group was spun out to uh, pursue the learning curve. So are we, as we're transitioning from the system, Système de Le Mans currently, the one that's passing away uh, with these crises you mentioned, the phrase when I was was just listening to your panel, birth pangs came to mind, that these are, there's a, there's, the old order is sort of having its pains, right? But something's being born, or at least we, we hope it is. So that... And that's involving a lot of learning right now. Probably yeah. most of it will be painful learning. Do you agree that yeah, a, a most of, of these aren't going to work? Yeah, I mean, Bitcoin is in the midst of a big crisis today, you know, with relation to Tether, which is this supposed stable coin that is turning out to be largely a fable coin. <laughs> and uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's a real crisis that's going to cause lots of turbulence. And so there's, it's, and Bitcoin was not uh, correctly designed really to be a money. It's designed to be a speculative asset, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, because you can't have a cap on money. Money has right. to expand according to the imaginations and learning projects of entrepreneurs. And if it can't expand, it uh, become it increases in the demand for money just result in the gyration of the price of the coin and they think that's a feature but it, but actually <laughs> it's, a bug. We, it's a bug yeah so when you say it's it's um not designed to be money let, let me see if i understand this correctly satoshi may have intended it to be money yeah. but the code is a design code for a speculative asset that's right like, almost like fine art or something yeah because it artificially limits Supply, yeah, and so does this reflect Nathan Lewis and I talked. Nathan Lewis and I talked about this recently. Do you see reflected in Bitcoin and some of the others the false 
pro- the, the problems with monetarism as opposed to supply-sideism. Exactly. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Uh, the mistake that Milton Friedman made, and Milton Friedman was one of the great figures I've ever met in my life. He was a titan, and I traveled all over China with him in 1988. It just was a great opportunity. Debated with him constantly all over China, essentially supply side versus monetarism. Mm-hmm. And it... Um, I don't want to, I never won a debate with Milton Friedman. No, very sharp from what I've heard. Yes. <laughs> he was in, uh, preternaturally sharp. But you, but which, you were right. But, a history but he, bore you out, not that, him. That's right. I mean, he so said, you lost the debates, but you won history. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He said um, to the Chinese Communist government, what you really got to do now is get control of your money supply so that uh, you can really. Um, have a stable money that can uh, fund your finance. And I said, let a billion flowers bloom. (laughs) And uh, that was... A little uh, Mao homage uh, there, right? And and, uh, the billion flowers did bloom. And uh, now they're being... Maybe we're going back to uh, retrenchment now Hmm. uh, in China. But yes. uh, but at the same time, China is such a big and complex scene that the various cartoon renditions of it in uh, the current media well, really we, are are deceptive. We've got uh, a political but, but, arc towards nationalism, and yeah. we just got a disease. Yeah. So I think we're going to go back a little, yeah. maybe ice yeah. age, tribal yeah. here, and not <laughs> see the subtlety of the of the whole. Of the whole picture. So let's go back to Bitcoin and demand for money matters, not just supply. That's right. And it's almost like Bitcoin is a real world test of monetarism, which is found wanting. So is there any is there anyone you see in cryptocurrency who's getting this right where it's expandable according to demand or is no one caught up with that yet? Well, I think they're all working it out. I mean, this is st- still the, an era of learning, and there are thousands of projects. Uh, ironically, Dogecoin, which was kind of a comedy coin in its origin, uh, actually didn't have any limits to yes, it. Yes, so it's an improvement. So, so it's actually a, an improvement on Bitcoin. With, good boy. And, <laughs> whoever, but, whoever programmed but, Dogecoin, but, good boy. There's a good boy. But, it, uh, <laughs> but at the same time, Dogecoin probably doesn't have the kind of authority and, and mystique that actual new money should possess. But, uh, you know, we're for people to believe in it. And so I believe that, uh, that mm-hmm. we, have, we have not found, right now we're in a uh, phase where cryptocurrencies are providing a speculative asset uh, haven against the increasingly debauched world of fiat currencies uh, being wildly manipulated by central banks around the world. So it's a, this is a phase of cryptocurrency development. And I believe that from this will arrive a discovery at the real reason why gold was the one money that through the course of history survived as the monetary element. And you know, this point that you're making about authority 
is important. I think I, I can tell you several years ago, some of, I tried to persuade some of my colleagues to cre- um, to take gold assets because we were invested <laughs> in gold, physical gold, and digitize them so you'd yeah. ha- you'd have digital claims yeah. to physical gold. Yeah, what happened about with that? I yeah. remember that. That was a good idea. I, I thought so, and I think what happened is. Some of and my if friends, you were inventing NFTs. Precisely. Yeah, non-fungible tokens. Talking to some of my colleagues who were a little more mainstream, they started reading blogs in the crypto space, and they mm. said, these people are crazy, and you know they're like trying to overthrow the government. And the whole thing had a kind of a crazy feel to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And it still does have a bit of a crazy feel yeah, to yeah, it, yeah, right? Yeah. So it, it won't get really large assets until it doesn't seem yeah. crazy well, to normal people. Well, it's got large assets. It's close to a trillion dollars of market cap all these currencies right. so there's it's it's really it's now in a crash <laughs> but uh there will be uh you know i think that uh, new forms will emerge from the rubble but but they have to be more credible but it but it has to be more credible and and maybe uh ironically and uh and I know this is not a popular view in uh, Freedom Fest, so I um, don't tell any, don't tell Mark Skousen or the various <laughs> paladins of Freedom Fest. I think these gov- government blockchain-based platforms that China's launching and, uh, and and the U.S. central bank is contemplating, and central banks around the world are. Are trying to figure out ways to use blockchains or hash graft uh, kind of uh, alternatives to blockchains that resemble blockchains to form new digital money will will produce advances and yes. will and will spur uh, the private sector also. I to mean, didn't the moonshots, um, you know, I mean, uh, government programs have produced externalities. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Right, the internet. I mean, yeah. I know people tend to exaggerate how much the original. Yeah, the internet right. isn't right. really an right. example very much, but uh, the because there were so many different kinds of networks that were being launched. But all integrated over. circuits are coming out of NASA right. in the yeah. moon launches, right? Well, so, integrated. Is that right? Or am I wrong about that? Not, I mean, integrated circuits started at Intel, and uh, one of their first markets was the um, for the moon moon shots uh, for Apollo. But uh, but they they also were having new uses all over the place. They reproduced rectifiers and and uh, all sorts of Boolean functions in uh, ever smaller space. So it was not likely that uh, this technology would have been lost. It was it, it was uh, originated ultimately at Bell Labs mm-hmm. and and uh, Texas Instruments was pioneering it. It, it. it was and they had a lot of they had the oil industry of mm-hmm. uh, they were geophysical. So they didn't so need NASA. They, but- they, they, they didn't need NASA. NASA did buy these things. Mm-hmm. And uh, so. All right. Um, so I'm wondering. But, but there is this tendency which everybody should be careful about. When you go back and, and scrutinize the, credi- the pedigree of 
of any technology in the United States, and you go back into the 1950s, and you're in the sway of this war economy. We were in the Korean War. We were in the uh, coming out of the Second World War. Uh, we had we the all technologies will find some kind of origin in government spending because government spending dominated the economy during the war. Right. So so it's it's it's. It's, but what you actually find when you scrutinize the history is these technologies don't take off until they escape this government uh, um, source. Mm. And uh, so that's... Uh, that's does, the, a, does the government involvement with um, blockchain and cryptocurrencies maybe um, offer the possibility of some more validation. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's, that's, what, I, that's yeah. what I was thinking you were yeah, thinking, yeah. right? So if governments are doing this, yeah. then it's harder to say, it's just, oh, it's a bunch of crazy people at Freedom Fest yeah. with cowboy hats and are smoking yeah. weed or something yeah. like yeah. that. And uh, the, not, not that I saw anyone smoking yeah, that's weed a good. At that's a good point. And also, it's good, even, even in communist China, Launching a whole new blockchain pl platform for the country, which everybody knows the Communist Party can ultimately invade if they need to. Need to. They, you know, they aren't going to launch a blockchain that's beyond their manipulation. But blockchain intrinsically provides for unimpeachable identities hmm. and. Uh, uh, the great gain of block of a blockchain is not anonymity. A real privacy isn't anonymity. It's identity. Hmm. And and what blockchain gives you, every individual is an un, unimpeachable identity and record of what they actually transacted. Hmm. So when the government comes, they have a record of uh, truth. Now, the, uh, overreaching governments can always send the cops to your door and break it down and seize your computer or seize your children. Or you know, this is always possible. But, to, but if it's hard but, for them to know which door to knock down, yeah, yeah. and that's what crypto does, it, it, which well, door? Then, gonna... then they knock down everybody's yeah, door. Yes, they do. Yeah. It's, it's crypto. We don't want to. It's not that they uh, they will know what door. It's better that they know. For it, it's better that there be a record of truth that to which people can repair. Uh, at least a record and and uh, and a distributed blockchain system and to the extent that it's really centralized and and it won't work so it's it's a, the whole genius of blockchain is it distributes the sources of consensus and attestation and all the things you need to have a record of unchangeable record of 
past transactions. So you would turn down the emphasis on privacy that has been a big selling point for cryptos in the past. Yeah, that, oh, that would not be your emphasis. I, I think real privacy is, uh, is identity, hmm. is, the, is the ability to answer somebody who comes to knock on your door uh, and claim you've embezzled money or or uh, avoided taxes or whatever and you can actually you can prove i'm me and this is mine that's right right see i see although i mean it is crypto right i mean it is encrypted so it's encrypted but uh it's a transparent record they're public keys for all the transactions it's a transparent record it is the real gain is the establishment of an unimpeachable ground state hmm. for the system. These are facts that have been validated and, and can't be changed. And you can, you can sub- substitute uh, for those facts new facts that are also validated, but, but you can't change the record of the previous... Um, and that is uh, and that that is the gain. Uh, today, the internet is essentially a giant copying machine. It's it communicates by copying, and uh, and uh, and there no, nothing is uh, demonstrable on it. So your point uh, about you have to go off the internet to conduct transactions. You have to uh, repair to these regular banks, like, banks and credit cards and, and, and things. And, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So your point about identity versus um, uh, versus uh, uh, anonymity, um, I think, kind of fits together with this idea of widespread acceptance versus sort of wild west. In other words, I think that yeah. the, the early adopters. Um, you know, Silk Road, for example, let's sell drugs on yeah. the Internet using cryptocurrencies. Um, and that has a kind of a crazy vibe to it. And yeah. mom and pop aren't going to you know, buy into that. Yeah. Um, but there but that would emphasize anonymity. But it won't really be. These it won't didn't be work. Did it didn't. It? No, it didn't. All yeah. collapsed. So this this won't really work until it's mainstream and it won't be mainstream as, lo- as long as it's thought of as a way to hide from the government. Yeah. Um, it's not a tax revolt strategy if it's a tax revolt strategy it's always going to stay fringe right is, the, no, I think I'm, so. is that is that i'm trying to reflect I, back I, to no, you no i think you're that's that's true and it's also true that satoshi did invent a system that, that allowed attestation of facts and uh, their uh, extension through transactions and that's what and and uh, and the reason they work is they're transparent across the whole net. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the, the consensus on uh, the existing ground state that can't be overthrown by any single authority in any single point. You need the whole consensus mechanism to affirm each transaction, each uh, data point, each fact. And uh, and that is that that changes the internet, which is which has been an eminently hackable. And the more money we spend on internet security, the more it gets hacked. But, and that's not an accident. That's, well, that's Cosian theorem. 
yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that you can't protect private property anymore. You have to spend as much on the protection of the private yeah, property yeah. as the private property is worth yeah, because yeah. It, it converges, you know, on, yeah. they'll steal as long as stealing is cheaper than protecting, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. so this, this is, let me kind of take this back to your system of the world idea, um, so, and the, the channel versus information. So tell me if, if this reflects Gilder's thinking, that a blockchain handled properly is a channel. Yeah. Um, so we're using it to buy and sell things. Those, the buying and selling of things is real. That's a signal. Yeah. So, you know, I'm on the interweb and I buy George Gilder's book, uh, his future book, uh, um, Life After Capitalism. And maybe I, I, hope, I hope we have enough blockchain to do it. That I, that's a, but whether it is or not, I buy the book. That's a fact. I buy the book because of what I see. Yeah. You know, uh, so that's real. That's a, what do you call that, a base state? Yeah, a ground state. Ground state. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and then the blockchain is the channel, which means you're getting away from the idea that AI knows something, we are, we have, we're better at gathering information than the greatest AI system because our human brains and our optical processing ability, we're mm-hmm. able to perceive the world better. Yeah, I mean, yes, you know, well, Deep Blue can learn to recognize a cat, but it has to look at a billion cats. I've seen maybe 20 cats in my lifetime, but after the first one, I was able to recognize them because mm-hmm. we're really good at taking in the yeah, world, yeah, right? right? So... We're taking information. Even, Go ahead. Even more than that, I mean, the key insight is which I really, really discovered in Gaming AI, this book. I started studying connectomes. And yes. I, I'd been studying the connectome of the Internet for years. That's all the connections of the Internet and how they proliferate and how they become more and more complex. And, and so connectome concept really made sense to me when I encountered it in a book from MIT on the connectome of the human brain. And, uh, and I knew that, uh, and uh, this set of professors, their names elude me, but you can find them in Gaming AI, uh, have been measuring, beginning, Tony Stratton uh, helped work out the connectome of uh, the nematode worm, and mm-hmm. which is all the connections in the brain of a nematode worm, which is the smallest sort of metal unit that they could find, and they blow it up and figure out what the connectome of the human mind is. And it takes zettabytes, 10 to the 21st power, uh, and that's a, a number beyond really uh, imagination to to map the connections on the human brain. And as Tony Stratton told me, he's worked on this at Brenner's lab in Cambridge in England, which was the first where the first uh, DNA codes were defined mm-hmm. uh, to uh, Wisconsin, where he and. 
And he said the more you, he learned the entire connectome of the nematode worm and knew less about it than he did when he started. And So there's and two it, things there. Well, so, I, I mean, it's really, uh, this is a worm, and this is how, I think, it's the, I think that's the only brain that's been mapped, right? Yeah, that's right, fully right, mapped, right. although they, they've been mapping more and more, right. and, and the human brain has been increasingly mapped, and it takes a zettabyte, to, uh, essentially, a data to map the human brain. But map the, even after mapping it, I think you're about to say the, we don't we still don't uh, understand yeah, it. But right? it's but the key what but when I read this zettabyte in the book, I was just really uh, excited. It was an epiphany because mapping the whole global internet takes about a zettabyte. And so each individual human brain is about as complexly uh, connected as the global Internet. That but, blew me away in gaming this, AI. I mean, that's just astonishing. Yeah, it is an astonishing One fact. human brain is about as much connectivity, as much synaptic con- as the entire global yeah, Internet. That's yeah. right. And, and what is the power differential? And, and billion, billions. Uh, I mean, the human brain runs on 10 to 12 watts. And uh, the Internet runs on billions of watts everywhere. And so um, hmm. it's, it's uh, the human brain is technologies succeed to the extent that they learn to serve human minds, distributed human minds. And, and that's why free economies prevail is because if you if you can maximize the power of each of these distributed human minds. The human human brain is not consolidated in some data center next to a glacier somewhere. The human brain is distributed all across the planet. And next and, to a glacier, because this is another point you make, we don't produce, you know, not, you know, what are we? 10 not, to 12 watts, that's gigawatts in these data centers. The chief challenge is to cool them. Right. And uh, so they We're, need all kinds of vast fans and cooling technologies. And, and, and they're usually created next to waterfalls or glaciers or sources. Because where there's that much energy consumption, there's that much heat. Yeah, right? that's right. I'm thinking about the movie The Matrix. You know, yeah. they, they had it completely backwards. Yeah. The humans were the batteries. The humans were the power source. And the AI was the mind. Yeah. And it's a- absolutely the opposite. We're incredibly efficient in yeah. terms of power consumption yeah. Yeah. and much more intelligent than AI. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, Well, we, AI isn't strictly speaking in Intelligent, Good as we know about the different the symbols and objects are are separate. They got to be interlinked. Charles Sanders Peirce, yes. the great early twentieth century Harvard philosopher mathematician, showed that any system of symbols needs an interpretant in order to connect it to any particular object. Another, another way of putting it is the map is not the territory. And uh, Google has a whole world now based on the idea that, that you refine the maps enough 
and and the maps essentially become the territory. But then then what's the purpose of the map? Right, right, right. <laughs> it becomes as complex as as. And, and uh, computers are entirely symbol systems. And as Kurt Gödel of uh, Gödel Incompleteness Truth Proof, and uh, which said that any logical system, whatever it is, from arithmetic to computer software, whatever it is, is necessarily dependent on propositions outside itself that it can't prove. And then... Uh, Alan Turing, who invented the computer architecture, the Turing machine we still use, said that every Turing machine necessarily depends on an oracle yes. outside that, that can't be uh, uh, reduced to the Turing machine itself. This is so religious. Yeah. I mean, oracle, and you need a prophet from outside the system, that's right? right. That's and, right. And fundamental axia that are accepted, that's faith. Yeah. Right? This is uh, Augustine, credo ut intelligam. I, I believe in order that I can understand. Yeah. You have to have certain... Faith fun- precedes knowledge. That's it. Yeah. Right. And, I said that in Wealth and Poverty. That was the climax of Wealth and Poverty. And Google, the Google system is betting against that. Knowledge... I'm reminded of the Garden of Eden. You, yeah. you don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil first. Yeah. You eat from the tree of life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Faith proceeds not you get knowledge eventually but faith precedes knowledge that's right all right um i'm being signaled is there anything i I, I would love to keep going i'm i I, but i have to go to my next panel but i want to make sure make sure that we mention again that we have the cosm conference coming up in november november 10th to 12th at bellevue hyatt regency it's cosm.technology you can find it and it's going to be a great conference we're discussing all the subjects that we've been addressing today so all the stuff that we would continue to discuss if if we weren't out of time there's going to be a conference to just lay all that out you're going to be there aren't you jerry well i just learned about it today and i'm I'm looking to the boss uh, who's sitting next to me okay this is the she ultimately uh, uh, is the, the oracle to which I, uh, I answer. But um, uh, thank you so much for well, being with you. us today. thank you. It was great. Thank you. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and give it a rating on Apple Podcasts. And improve our national conversation by sharing it with some friends. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.